Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, Denard Robinson, Timonga Bianca Batuka, from Yost to Arbaugh, passed down from generation to generation, Michigan football has stood the test of time. What's that feeling you get when you catch your first glimpse of the big house? When you hear, and take the field. When you see the team emerge from the tunnel, sprint across the field, and touch that famed M-Go Blue banner. Saturdays in the fall, tailgates with friends and family, favorite players, favorite teams, and unforgettable moments. A lifetime of memories. College football in 2020 may be unique, but it has arrived at the corner of Stadium and Main, which is where you can find Michael Spath and Justin Rowe sharing their analysis, their stories, and their emotions about this year's Wolverine. This is the Stadium and Main podcast. Presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers. Welcome to the Stadium in Maine podcast. I am Justin Rowe, joined by my co-host, Michael Spath. It is Friday, December 11th. We've got a, a great weekend ahead of us. Unfortunately, there is no Michigan-Ohio State game, which mm. I know that you are very sad about, uh, Michael. I know some fans were kind of relieved um, because of the way that Ohio State's playing, you know, and, and the way Michigan State's playing and the hang a hundred on them thing from Ryan Day as well. So um, how are you feeling today? How are you feeling about this weekend? Well, I mean, I'm, I am disappointed, Justin, that there's no game this weekend. I mean, it's synonymous with college football. It has been part of my life all, you know, 39 years previously. Um, that the final game of the regular season is, is Michigan-Ohio State. And so I'm disappointed uh, that we're not going to see this this weekend, regardless of what the outcome was going to be, regardless of the 30-point the underdog, regardless of the chance that Michigan could have lost pretty badly. Um, you know, I, I, it, just, it just sucks when certainly we, we've all adapted to giving up something in 2020, and a lot of us have given up quite a bit in 2020, whether that's jobs or seeing family members or uh you know just a whole myriad of things and so in the grand scheme of things is it that big of a deal no um it, it's certainly not but uh you know it's it's just one of those benchmark moments in life um kind of like you know we've seen the kentucky derby get ran we saw the masters get played uh, we saw the nba finals and world series and stuff like that and so you know just from us purely selfish and at the same time really acknowledging that there are bigger things out there but just from that that place, I'm I'm bummed that there's no Michigan Ohio State game um, this year. And 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 I'm now that I look back on, I don't know you, but Justin, but uh, when they were when they first started, um, remember when they released that first schedule? They were going to do the Big Ten and like Michigan open the season with Purdue, and they actually had Ohio State like in week five. Mm -hmm. uh, and 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 everybody was like, oh my god, it's got to be the last weekend of the regular season. And and the whole talk, and I talked to Mark Silverman, the uh, president of Big Ten Network and, and now a vice president at Fox, about this. And he said, you got to get that game played. And so you move it up earlier in the season because it's got to be played. And if you need to bump it, if you need to, like, reschedule it because of COVID issues, then you do so. Well, they came out the second time with their schedule, and they had the last weekend of the regular season right before the Big Ten championship. They're, you know, the Big Ten, now, I mean, looking back on it, and I think a couple of us were saying this at the time, like, 
probably shouldn't have been as aggressive as trying to get nine games in for everybody, but probably would have done like a better off to have a six game schedule with two buys built in there. Because at the end of the day, they put themselves in this position by having Michigan, Ohio state, the last game of the regular season before the big 10 championship where there's no chance whatsoever uh, to make it up. And that's, and that's disappointing. And, and one more thing on that, Justin, aren't you a little surprised that there's been no outside the box thinking on this? Like if you're Michigan or Ohio state, like why couldn't you Ohio state play the big 10 championship next weekend and then say like, we're going to play Michigan the weekend after that. Like, I don't understand why there's been no conversation whatsoever of trying to get this game in, in some capacity. And if you were to ask Ohio state, would they rather play Michigan and beat Michigan or go to the college football playoff? I bet you that would be an interesting, interesting poll result. Cause I think there's a lot of Ohio state fans that would rather beat Michigan and have that on their record than necessarily go to the college football playoff this year. 100%. I think there are a lot of Ohio state fans out there that would rather go one in 11 with a win over Michigan than 11 and one with a loss to Michigan. So, I mean, we've, we've, obviously seen that that game means a lot to Ohio State and Ohio State fans right they they you know do all the stuff with uh preparing every single day uh you know taping the winged helmets on the their helmets for the game mm-hmm. week and everything like that so um, I 100% agree with you. I still think, you know, you can blame uh, uh, Ward Manual. You can blame all these things. You, but it comes back, like you said, onto Kevin Warren in the Big Ten. I mean, they mm-hmm. couldn't have dropped the ball more on this. And they dropped the ball multiple times. It, it, it still is. They, mm-hmm. they dropped the ball when they canceled it uh, originally because it was an impulse decision, it seemed like. And then they, they dropped the ball by waiting too long and then not having any, you know, bye weeks or anything like that. And then the schedule was back to kind of what a normal schedule would, would look like for, uh, for most years with Michigan, Ohio State at the end instead of trying to – I mean – we should have had that maybe even week one, honestly, mm-hmm. um, just to make sure that that game gets played no matter what. Because if you look at Wisconsin, uh, they played week one and then didn't play again for what, three more weeks or something like that. And then now they only have three games. So, yeah, I think it all mm-hmm. comes back down to, you know, comes back on the the Big Ten and, and their kind of debacle of the way that they handled it. But, yeah, I'm disappointed too. It was – I kind of was a little – I mean, at first I was a little bit relieved because I don't know if I can sit there and watch Michigan get beat by 50 by Ohio State. I think that would be really mm-hmm. tough for me to watch. Uh, but also then, like, as we got through the week here, I was really kind of sad that I didn't have this game to look forward to because even when Michigan is a big underdog – historically outside of the past few years it's still been a really close game you know you go back to the Mm -hmm. Devin Gardner game you go back to a lot of other games where um you know even under under Brady Hoke uh they were they were not uh not what they are not a good football team and they still only lost Mm -hmm. I think in 2012 by uh one score is like 26 21 or something like that so um this game can you never know what's going to happen so yeah so um like you said this kind of leads us to uh now well go ahead well i mean i'll I'll say i'll say this justin about it and as you mentioned it because i've seen a lot of people suggest well you know it's a money thing like they need to they have to play the big time championship for money well you know 
talking to Mark Silverman again, and this guy who, who was in charge of the Big Ten Network since its inception, and, you know, he said to me, uh, look, like, that's a bigger moneymaker. The, the Michigan-Ohio State game is a bigger moneymaker for us than the Big Ten Championship. And so I was curious about this, and I went back and looked. Um, and, you know, the Big Ten Championship game began in 2011, so we've had nine years of it. And I believe in eight of the nine years um, is, is when I did the research, eight of the nine years the Michigan-Ohio State game did better ratings than the Big Ten Championship game. Wow. Um, and that included, I think out of those, if, you know, and, and I don't, I, I couldn't, I was trying to find it and pull it up in front of me, but I couldn't. But uh, out of those nine years, I think Ohio State played in the Big Ten Championship in like seven of those nine years. And so it was like Ohio State versus somebody else. And yet Michigan outdrew that game eight out of the nine years. And so what is more valuable to, to Fox? What is more valuable to the Big Ten um, and their television partners is the Michigan-Ohio State game that's doing you know, and on average, I think it was like 1.8 million more people were watching the Michigan-Ohio State game than watching the Big Ten Championship. So, yeah, to me, it's a little crazy that they put themselves in this position where they're stuck, where they aren't able to play the game, uh, and where there's no, you know, opportunity to make it up later on. Um, it's just, it's, it's bad planning by the Big Ten, and it's, it, frankly, it's, it's poor financial planning by the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, that's I completely agree with you. If you're talking about money, Michigan-Ohio State is bringing in the most money of any game on any schedule probably all year long. Um, and so, and that goes for probably outside of the Big Ten Conference too. Uh, maybe Auburn-Alabama is going to get a bigger bigger draw, but really there aren't many other ones that are, mm-hmm. uh, are going to be bigger games than that because Michigan gets a ridiculous draw. Um, you know, and that's, yeah, I, I think Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan and Ohio State both are just ridiculous draws as far as TV goes. And so um, when you're looking at it from a money perspective, which they're, you know, just begging for money at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Why not try to play that even if it's a consolation game at some point? We, I, 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 I 100% agree with you. I think it's kind of, uh, kind of weird that it's just like, all right, that game's over. We're not going to try and play it instead of, you know, we're already into December. What is one more week to delay things or to try and figure it all out? You know, it's it, the schedule yeah. has been has been torn up and um, screwed up so much already. Why not just make it work so that you make more money, you make fans happy, all this stuff. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Well, it um, it's too bad. It's disappointing. Um, you know, at this point, it, I mean, it is what it is. We're, we're not going to change anything. And uh, I just, you know, Michigan, our Ohio State's playing uh, Northwestern next weekend for the Big Ten Championship. And I know that Michigan was a 30-point underdog, but here you have the top two teams from the respective divisions, and the Buckeyes are a 20.5-point favorite uh, to beat Northwestern um, in that game. And, and really, when you look at, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this next week much more in depth, but if you look at, like, the championship games that are already decided – uh, there's really, I mean, not a whole lot of close uh, lines here. Alabama's favored by 13 and a half over Florida. Uh, Clemson is favored by nine and a half over Notre Dame. Um, and then the other one is uh, Iowa State. Uh, or Oklahoma's favored four and a half over Iowa State. Um, and I don't believe the uh, Pac-12 is having a championship game. So all, uh, all very interesting. But um, Justin, let's kind of reshift to talk about what the crux of this week's podcast is going to be and our today's podcast, I should say, and that is Jim Harbaugh's coaching future 
And what to me, maybe a little bit premature, we'll certainly talk more about this if a divorce happens, but a little bit about the philosophy of who Michigan fans would want as the next head coach. Uh, and I posted a poll question about this uh, yesterday, got, I don't know, 3,000 uh, responses on Twitter, which is a pretty good, um, you know, what do they call that? Plus minus a pretty good representation. Uh, so I'll tell you those in a second. But uh, Justin, this, uh, this weekend, um, if you're looking, you know, this weekend, next weekend, coming up here to take advantage of some great deals, uh, our friends at Weber's Hotel and Restaurant, uh, while the restaurant is closed indoors, they've got this really cool thing. You can stay at the hotel and you can get room service delivered right to your, uh, right to your balcony, right to your room. So you're still kind of getting a night out. You're still able to go out to dinner, um, but do it in a, in a hotel room. And, and so, you know, as you're thinking about like outside the box, Christmas presents, outside the box, you know, holiday gifts, um, you know, my wife and I love to take advantage of, uh, of the date night delivered. Uh, if you go to webersannarbor.com and click on offers, you can see that, um, which is uh, $150 um, for Sunday through Thursday, $175 uh, for, uh, for Friday and Saturday, but it also comes with a, a food credit um, for that uh, date night delivered. I also took advantage of a, of a pretty cool thing this week. It's called their Workday Getaway. I don't know about you, but like you're, everybody's working from home. Maybe you've got the kids running around and like you just want you know, a little bit of time to yourself. Uh, and uh, for 45 bucks, I mean, it's an incredible deal. I did it on Tuesday this past week. Uh, I had a balcony room that overlooked the pool, that overlooked the atrium. I, I pulled that door open, uh, kind of got like all that beautiful natural light, um, you know, the, the, just the, the feel of the atrium. Uh, and then I was there till about 6 p.m. and I ordered, uh, ordered myself a glass of bourbon and had it delivered to the, to the room and sat out there and just kind of, just kind of soaked it up and took advantage of um, a, great, uh, a great deal from our friends. Uh, at Weber's Hotel and Restaurant in Ann Arbor. And again, visit webersannarbor.com and slash offers to see those plus uh, much more uh, that you can take advantage of right now. So Justin, here we are, end of the week. You and I kind of joked about it a little bit before the podcast began that typical Michigan faction, fashion, there could be like a 4 p.m., 5 p.m. news dump uh, this evening where we just get a press release that says Michigan has extended Jim Harbaugh's contract by three years, um, doesn't list like the money amounts and has like, a you know, generic block quote from Ward Manuel and a generic block quote from Jim Harbaugh uh, about uh, how they're committed to, to this future. But if that doesn't happen, then you're going to go into National Signing Day next Wednesday with no, uh, no finality, no um, guarantee that Jim Harbaugh is coaching here beyond next year. You have a lame duck coach going into national signing day. Uh, and, and honestly, Justin, like I look at it like this, and this is what a lot of people that I talk to um, kind of feel about the situation is if, if both sides wanted a deal to be done, a deal would be done right now. Like there's no doubt about it, but instead Ward Manuel last week said, we're going to you know talk about that at the end of the season, like we always do, whether that it means, after the Ohio State game, uh, which isn't being played, or after that ninth Big Ten game, which we have no idea if Michigan's going to be able to play in that ninth Big Ten game. Um, you know, so that's kind of like their approach, but I don't believe it. I, I don't believe it for one second. I think you say that because one of the two sides, or maybe both the sides, is balking. And 
my belief is, is if Jim Harbaugh wanted to be the coach of Michigan and Ward Manny wanted Jim Harbaugh to be the coach of Michigan, we would have a deal. At least one of these two sides doesn't want this and is delaying it, or both of the sides are delaying it, and they just are not ready to announce it because Jim doesn't have his job in the NFL, and they want to save faith. And so I am, I am really coming to the place, and I wonder if you are too, where this divorce is going to happen between Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense if that's not the case, right? It, there's no reason if if they were getting if if there was a deal ready to be done or it was already done, there's no reason for them not to say it because we're watching it all unravel right before our eyes with uh Brandon Jennings now flipping. He hasn't officially flipped his commitment, but it looks like he is now possibly going to Maryland instead of Michigan. Uh, you know, I, we saw Zach Carpenter, Michigan's starting center for the last two games, announce his transfer. He's entering the transfer portal last night. And I, according to Angelique Changelis, that might have been just kind of a homesick thing, but it still doesn't look good as far as the timing right now, um, as well as Xavier Worthy, you know, taking a look at Alabama uh, as well. And it looks like he could be uh, going with the, the Crimson Tide. And so as we're – it doesn't make sense to me if – if Ward and Jim have a deal or think they're going to have a deal, they would have gotten it done by now because they are seeing recruiting, uh, you know, going, uh, you know, down south, going south pretty quickly here. Um, I did see that uh, Jim Harbaugh, I guess, is supposed to over the weekend have Zoom calls, um, basically virtual home visits with each uh, each recruit in the each commit in the 2021 class right now. Um, so I don't know what that means. That me- makes me think that maybe he's still staying, uh, but everything else, um, it makes me think that he's going to leave because what he's done every single other time that NFL rumors have come up or just Jim Harbaugh is leaving those rumors. Anytime that those rumors have come up in the last five years, he has immediately gone to Twitter to shut them down or immediately said it in a press conference and said, no. I'm the coach here. These rumors are ridiculous. This happens every year, blah, blah, blah. He hasn't said any of that. And he had a chance to the other day when he was in the press conference with Ward Manuel, and he didn't. So um, the fact that they tried to, you know, avoid that conversation the other day, and I know that the press conference wasn't for that, um, but the questions came up from the media, and they avoided that conversation completely as much as they could. Uh, and, they, and Jim Harbaugh had the chance to say, yes, I am committed to this university. I can't wait to get these recruits on campus and blah, blah, blah. But he didn't. Uh, and so I agree with you. It just, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense to me if, if they did f- figure out a deal after signing day. I don't understand, you know, you could figure out money. You can, you can hash that out right now before signing day if you really needed to. Um, but, but for if, I, I will be very frustrated if Michigan, if Ward Manuel and Jim Harbaugh come to a deal right after signing day or something, I will be very frustrated mm-hmm. because it'll be, uh, will Michigan will lose some, some recruits because of that. And maybe there's even more flips that we see on signing day, as we talked about the other day. Um, but if they do it right after signing day, it'll be very frustrating to see because it just doesn't make any sense right now. Well, yeah. And I mean, you just kind of outlaid a little bit of like the worst case scenario. Right. And so like mm-hmm. they lose Xavier worthy, they lose Brandon Jennings. 
if they lose a couple more players uh, before signing day or on signing day, guys flip and and whether Michigan will admit it or not, a lot of it has to do with the fact that you know recruits have no idea if Jim Harbaugh is the guy going forward. I mean, you know, Ward Manuel can get up in front of the media all he wants and talks about how like well, negative recruiting never goes away. But I mean, everybody that I have seen this week has absolutely destroyed him for that quote because it's a self-inflicted. And we talked about it in our podcast earlier this week. It is a self-inflicted wound when you have every opportunity to put that to bed by both sides announcing that Jim Harbaugh is the guy of the future and you don't. And that's why you get negatively recruited against. And frankly, if, if Jim Harbaugh is not the guy of the future, and, and you and I have both said this a little bit, if like Jim's telling Ward, I don't want to be here, but I'm waiting until I get an NFL job or Ward's telling Jim like, Hey, you know what? We're waiting for you to get an NFL job because we don't think this is the best place. Like, again, that is not fair to the 20 something young men that are going to sign a letter of intent with Michigan and fans might sit there and say, like, well, you've got to keep some of them. You've got to keep some of them for the next coach. And I get that. And I understand that it would really, really hamstring the program if um, they came out and announced that. And all of a sudden, they only got, like, 10 guys or 12 guys, something like that. But that is what is integrity. And that is what is fair to those 18-year-old men to know who their coach is going to be going forward. And so I don't like it either side of it, um, whether it's, it's waiting until afterwards to actually negotiate and actually figure this out um, or announcing something. I just think like you be upfront, you be transparent about the whole thing at this point um, and let, let those young men know who their coach is. Now, some people said, well, Jim Harbaugh is telling people behind the scenes. Well, it's really easy to whisper in the dark, like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. There's a reason that public accountability is so big because you can tell anyone, anything you want behind the closed doors, but if you're not willing to go out there and say it publicly and put yourself out there then what is that really, what is the real value of that? You, oh, it, it's his word. Okay. Well, he could immediately say like, Oh, you know what? As it turned out, like we just never were able to sign the contract. And so I'm really sorry, guys. I know I told you I was going to be here, but um, it just didn't work out financially for the whole thing. Like you can go back on your word and kind of just say like, Oh, well, it, it, things changed or, I mean, or, you know, be, discussions changed. Let's be honest. Mel Tucker did that at Colorado just last year. Right. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't, I don't like anything about it at all, Justin. And I, and again, maybe, I mean, we're recording this podcast Friday morning, maybe Friday at, it would not shock me um, if there's a 5 PM news dump that, because then like, you know, everybody has to write about it, but nobody gets to ask a question about it. Mm -hmm. And last year on signing day, uh, Jim Harbaugh did not have a, a press conference. I don't anticipate that they will have a press conference this year. Um, I don't even know if they'll have a Zoom call um, of anything you know, this year. They just released a – yeah. You, you know what's crazy about that is I was kind of looking at some things the other day and went back to the uh, – what did they call it? The stars uh, – signing of the stars when he first got yeah. here. He, it was such a show and a production, and it felt like Michigan was taking over the world, and there was so much buzz around the program. And as much as there was hate on that because it was, like, over the top maybe, there was still some buzz around Michigan, and there were some, some fun things about that. You know, uh, Derek Jeter's coming, up, coming to town. They had the Sklar brothers. Mm -hmm. They had all these – all these guys that, um, you know, came and, and it was a, a great big thing. And now you don't even have a Zoom call. You don't even have anything. You know, it just seems like you're 
the the um the buzz around this program is completely gone so the excitement mm-hmm. for a recruit to come to michigan when when the program's not showing that there's excitement to come why would a recruit be excited to come here yeah i don't know i mean there's a there's a lot of questions still to be answered uh and and one of them Justin, honestly, if this thing is, is headed for a divorce, is what do you want? What do you want from the next guy? Uh, do you want uh, a proven coach who has shown an ability to develop talent uh, and build a culture, but maybe has not been a dynamic recruiter yet? Or do you want a recruiting stud uh, that looks like the next big thing He's just waiting for that first opportunity. That is a question uh, I posted on Twitter, uh, and we'll tell you the results here in just a second. But, uh, you know, Justin, um, the last couple of uh, weeks, uh, I've really been learning much more uh, about the uh, insurance world. I've been able to write some uh, personal, personal insurance, home, auto, and umbrella. It was funny because I don't know if you're familiar with uh, an umbrella quote, but um, my mother-in-law, they, you know, they bought some insurance from me, uh, last weekend. And, uh, I mean, it was in the works for a couple of weeks here, but my mother-in-law said to me, like, why doesn't everybody have an umbrella policy? And I thought to myself a little bit too, like, I don't know why not everybody has an umbrella policy. They're super cheap. They're about $150 for the year, not for a month, not for every quarter, $150 for the year. You can get most of the umbrella policies for, and this umbrella policy for most people that don't know it is. You have insurance for your home. You have insurance for your auto. They have certain liabilities that they'll cover you for. Most of them are about $500,000. So if you get sued because someone falls on your property, uh, gets injured on your property, they can sue you and they can sue you for as much as they want, but your home covers $500,000. Same with your car. You get in a car accident and someone can sue you and, you know, most policies cover up to $500,000. That probably works. That probably works. But those rare opportunities where someone sues you for more and your home and auto ends at 500000 this for 150 bucks you get an extra million dollars on top of that. For about 300 bucks you get $2 million on top of that. And what's really nice, and I, was just sell, I just uh, you know, sold this to someone, is this protects you when you're away from your home or your auto. So say you don't get an accident with your car and nothing happens on your property, but you're out for a bike ride and you hit somebody on the bike and they sue you. Well, guess what? Your home, your auto doesn't cover you whatsoever, but your umbrella is your personal liability and it does cover you. And so super cheap. Um, This is one of the things that I didn't really know much about until I uh, started in the insurance game. I've learned much more about it. Um, I really highly encourage everybody out there. You don't have to come to me, but I would just check with your agent and say, hey, I've got home with you. I've got auto with you. Do I have an umbrella with you? And if you don't, ask that person about it. And, you know, certainly if you want, you can uh, give me a call. I'd love to love to work with uh, all of our listeners out there um, at uh, Capnick Insurance Group. Uh, you can reach me at mspath at capnick.com. That's M-S-P-A-T-H at capnick.com. Uh, and I would love to uh, work with you, learn a little bit more about you, um, your home, your family, um, your business someday down the road, potentially. Uh, but it's a great group. I've really, really enjoyed it. It's a super company. Um, love the way that they treat their their customers, love the way that they treat their clients. Uh, and uh, I'm just really happy to be there and would be happy to work with you. All right, Justin. So here's this question. You tell me before, before I tell you the results, I want to know how you would vote in this, uh, this poll. So 
I asked this yesterday. Uh, I was talking to a cop, a colleague of mine um, at uh, at Kaepernick, actually, a big football fan named Mike Fenstemacher, who we've had on the show. And he kind of he and I were talking about this. So if Michigan Harbaugh divorced, what type of coach would you want Michigan to hire? A proven coach slash developer of talent that hasn't been hugely successful recruiting for whatever reason, or a dynamite recruiter that is not yet a proven head coach. So essentially this comes down to a Matt Campbell, who at Iowa State has shown an ability to develop culture and is also a proven head coach, um, but his recruiting classes, and this is why I put for whatever reason, because he's at Iowa State, are not top 20 classes, not top 25 classes. You know, they're like in that 30, 40 range, um, so he hasn't been a dynamic recruiter yet. Or do you want that dynamic recruiter, a Tony Elliott, offensive coordinator at Clemson, has been uh, at Clemson. He's a, he's a former uh, Clemson player. He walked on, became a starter. Uh, he ended up uh, getting an engineering degree uh, from Clemson, um, worked a little bit at Furman, and then came back to Clemson. Has worked with the running backs and has been the offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator for the last uh, you know, I think it's five years, and then became the, the, the full-on offensive coordinator this year. And according to everybody, is like one of the best assistant coach recruiters in college football. And is someone that chances are, whether it's this year or next year, someone's coming to get this guy uh, to become a head coach. And so which would you rather have? So I'm just going to give you my answer straight, and then you can give the, uh, give the results, and then I'll uh... – kind of expand on why why I, I said my answer after, okay? Okay. So I'm going to go with Matt Campbell. I'm going with the, the proven uh, guy with culture and not great recruit, uh, recruiting. Okay. Okay. So the answer is, well, 2,696 votes, 85.8% have voted for Matt Campbell. 14% have voted for Tony Elliott. I do wonder a little bit how much of that is because people don't know Tony Elliott super well. Um, You know, he's, he's not a household name necessarily in the Midwest around Michigan, but if you were to ask this same question to which, which ACC or SEC program is definitely getting rid of their coach, like South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you were to ask this of uh, South Carolina fans, they might vote for Tony Elliott because South Carolina plays Clemson every year. Uh, they know much more about Tony Elliott. So I do think there's a little bit of bias, but I would bet overall that Matt Campbell would win this. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that most Michigan fans don't know who Tony Elliott is um, yet. And especially they're going to vote Matt Campbell in yours because Matt Campbell has been a hot name already, right, in Michigan's non-existent coaching search right now um so my reasoning for saying matt campbell though and not even just matt campbell but just in in general looking at a proven coach who has been able to develop players uh institute a great culture uh win big games things like that is because michigan has already already been top 10 recruiting they haven't been top five all the time recruiting but they've had the recruitment the problem to me when looking at what Michigan has not been able to accomplish over the past few years is not like, oh, we just need a few more five stars and then we'll, that'll get us over the hump. It's developing the, the three, four, and five stars into five-star players on the field in college football. 
All these kids mm-hmm. were four and five stars on the field in high school, but many of them have not panned out to be four and five star uh, players, four and five star talents on the field in college. And so, um, and, and the frustrating thing too is they've actually been developed decently well. And a lot of them, I, I was watching the, the Patriots game last night. Mike Unwenu is starting on the Patriots offensive line. Chase Winovich and Josh Uche are both starting on the Patriots defensive line. And even though the Patriots didn't do that well last night, it's still a, a really great, obviously, organization with the Patriots. And so some of these guys have, have panned out even after Michigan, but not even had their best uh, time with, with Michigan. But I, I just think that the, when I look at what Michigan is missing, it's 100% missing player development because they're obviously at the quarterback position, right? And there's a lot of other things that you could say, uh, you know, maybe Rashawn Gary didn't pan out to exactly what he, uh, what he was, uh, you know, piped up to be. Uh, there's, there's a lot of other guys, Derek green. I mean, obviously that's a while ago, but there, there are some four and five star guys who did not pan out at Michigan. Um, and you just can't have that many misses when you're recruiting at this high level. Um, the other big thing is culture that Michigan is missing. It's obvious that Michigan doesn't have an identity right now. They don't have a winning culture. The, the, the one thing that I was talking about last night with, uh, one of my, uh, friends is, Mental toughness is something that Michigan hasn't had in a long time. The only time I can think of them having a little bit of mental toughness is that revenge tour stretch with Chase Winovich on the lead, um, Mm -hmm. and they had an edge to them. But the edge and mental toughness is not Michigan's culture, and that's why, in my opinion, a lot of times they go on the road and look like deer in headlights. And so that's what Mm -hmm. I'm looking for, whereas, you know, you could have the dynamite recruiter and maybe Tony Elliott is a dynamite recruiter and also can bring a Clemson type of culture as well. But I don't think, I don't think Michigan can just say, yes, we need to recruit better. And that's, that'll get us over the hump and make us beat Ohio state. Yeah. You know, what's interesting to me about this question is I kind of thought about, uh, you know, if you take the top, let's take the top uh, 15 programs in college football right now. Um, and, and that, that can vary in any given year. So I'll kind of, I'll kind of leapfrog and jump a little bit because I'll kind of try to find like the top consistently 10 programs in college football. But if I, I I'm going to pose this to you, Justin, when I, when I tell you the name of the coach, you tell me if he is known as being a recruiter first or a coach slash developer of talent first. Okay. Okay. So let's start with the obvious one. Number one, Alabama, Nick Saban. Is he recruiter or coach developer of talent? I would say he is a recruiter. You think he's a, he's more of a recruiter than a developer of talent. See, I would disagree with you. I mean, he is a coach coach. I, I mean, think he, that is a, I know that he is, he's a great coach and I know that he's fiery on the sidelines and things like that, but you can't dismiss they have a, the number one recruiting class essentially. Absolutely not. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you can't have both, but what I'm saying is like what what was he made his bread and bones on? What is gotcha. he okay. what is he first before anything else? Is yeah, he a recruiter he, or is he a, I, I agree with that then. Before Alabama was Alabama, he got them to a spot because he was a great coach and talent developer. Okay. Right. Okay. So Notre Dame, Brian Kelly, is he a guy who has proven himself when he first started off, was he a guy who could develop talent or a guy who recruited talent? I'm going to go recruiter there. Okay. Dabo Sweeney. 
Uh, I'm gonna go recruiter with Dabo too, um, but uh, that's it's tough. I mean, all these guys are both kind of. I think Brian Kelly is probably the most at, on just one side of the recruiter. I would say Dabo. Um, I, I I think they're recruiter. I think he's a recruiter because they they just pump out five star D tackles like it's it's their job. They do now. They do now. But keep in mind, until about three years ago, they weren't signing top ten classes in college. And uh, according to twenty four seven Sports, he's a, he's a great culture guy. I think as well. I think his guys really like him. Yeah, his culture is really good. Ryan Day from Ohio State, proven uh, coaching chops uh, uh, so far, he, and. I think he is he is a coach. He proved it. I mean, he wasn't the the full full recruiter. I mean, Ohio State was recruiting great before he even got there. Um, mm-hmm. but he proved to turn that that offense into something that was really good into something that is nearly unstoppable. Dan Mullen at Florida. Um, I think he's more of a coach. I think he's been at some programs that are not known for their recruiting, but he's turned them Mm -hmm. into uh, some, some top 10 programs, even Florida. I mean, Florida is a great place to go play and they're, they're able to recruit there. Um, But he turned Florida down uh, around really, really quickly. And same with uh, uh, Texas A&M, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, he was at Mississippi state. Mississippi state. I knew it was maroon. I knew it was maroon and white. Yep. Yep. Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher known as i mean again a lot of these guys are both like he's similar to saban but i think he proved himself as worth with his coaching chops first uh because he took over for bobby bowden um and was immediately able to kind of establish a culture um because they were always getting the recruiting uh georgia i would say maybe more of a recruiter kirby smart is more of a recruiter than a, than a great coach um although he was the defensive coordinator for uh for nick saban uh, at Alabama, and the final one, Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley is known as a coach. I mean, he's a great recruiter too, but again, known as a coach. What, I would, what I'm getting at, Justin, is I think if you took most programs that are successful consistently, I think what you get is about 65 70%, maybe even greater than that. The coaches are known as coaches, developers of talent, culture guys, much more than they are first known as recruiters. You know, you think of I, I do agree a little bit with, um, you know, Dabo Sweeney, I think, is like a culture and a recruiter. Um, I think Brian Kelly, you know, you make a good point. James Franklin is the quintessential recruiter, not a great coach. And, you know, he's had some success at Penn State. He has won a Big Ten title. Uh, Penn State, like Michigan, is having a, a difficult season. But do you want a James Franklin or do you want – um, you know, a Dan Mullen, a guy who came from, you know, re- rose up from one program to come to the next and establishes, immediately takes a, a program like Florida that had similarly was going up and down since Urban Meyer left uh, with different coaches, with different people trying to figure out and finally said like, okay, I need to establish that Florida culture again, that winning culture. And, you know, the last two seasons, he's been really good. And now he finds himself going into the SEC championship game with a chance to beat Alabama and go to the college football playoff. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. And, and I think when we're talking about James Franklin, I don't think James Franklin is any different than Jim Harbaugh, honestly. I think that when you look at who they are, 
There are big names in the industry now. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh is a gigantic name, but um, they both have top 10 classes year in and year out, top 15, whatever you want to say. Um, but then they, they beat the, the, the not-so-great teams. Then when it comes to the big games, they usually take a dump or they, they can't get over that hump. And so outside of, Mich- or outside of Penn State blocking the field goal and returning it against Ohio State and ultimately leading them to a Big Ten championship, he really hasn't proven to win those big games. So I think that he's kind of the same, you know, solid recruiter, all these things and, and has all the hype around them and then they don't get over that hump. And so I definitely agree with you. I think that these, these big names, the, the Sabins, the days, the, the, um, the Sweeney's, all those guys, they were great coaches and that made them into great recruiters. They, they instituted a, a great, they're obviously great on the X's and O's side, which I think Jim Harbaugh still is great on the X's and O's side. I think he needs to get into 2020 a little bit and into the century, um, which he's tried to do. But I think that you have to start with the X's and O's. Then you have to also institute a culture at that same time. And that will lead to great recruiting. So it seemed like from 2015 through 2018, Michigan was doing that. They, they were great on the X's and O's. They had a solid culture. I go back to the revenge tour and I felt like that was an unbelievable team. They were really together. They played for each other. You know, like I said earlier, Chase Winovich was a great leader. Um, even going back to 2016, those guys were, were all great leaders, Chris Wormley and those guys. Um, and, and so now it just seems like that culture is gone. And so, um, those these the Nick Sabans and the Sweeney's have instituted that culture and it's they've continued it for a decade plus right and so the the way that Jim Harbaugh seems to wear people out sometimes is very concerning to me in the terms of how is he going to make this make this culture stay for another you know three to five years if that's the case and they want to extend him well and and honestly Justin I mean you know I talked to a um, I talked to two coaches this week. Uh, interestingly, my, uh, my students for my, their final project are interviewing experts. Uh, and one of my students, um, particularly, he wanted to talk to uh, coaches about culture and how do you establish winning culture and how do you establish team culture and how do you establish selfless culture and all this different stuff. And so we were able to connect him uh, with uh, a couple of highly successful coaches um, now they're not, they're, I'll preface it by saying neither one of them coaches football. Uh, one of them coaches, uh, college basketball and has been to multiple NCAA tournaments and is running a great program right now. Uh, and the other one, uh, coaches, uh, college baseball and, uh, has been to Omaha, the college world series multiple times and is hugely successful. And I was able to sit in on the calls and it was interesting listening to these guys. And one of the questions I kind of prodded my students to ask was a little bit of like, how long does it take to establish winning culture? And, you know, what happens if you start to slip a little bit? And to establish winning culture, both coaches were in lockstep with each other and essentially said that your first three years, you have to establish it. Um, because if you don't, by year four, uh, you've got upperclassmen that, that were with you at the beginning um, that if they haven't been, if they haven't bought in yet, like they're like, as much as a coach tries to instill culture, ultimately what culture is, is when it gets passed down from class to class, generation to generation. And mm-hmm. 
And that shouldn't, that can't be a coach thing anymore. That can't be an assistant coach thing anymore. That has to be a player thing. And what you're talking about right there, the 2015 and 16 guys had it and they passed it down, but then somewhere it kind of, it's, it's, it's gone off the path here. And, and so the other thing was the, the student asked, um, you know, what happens if you start to lose it a little bit and how do you get it back? And both coaches said, you know, it's, it is really, really hard to get it back if you've lost it. And they said, if you start to lose it, if you start to slip away, they're like, you can't wait a year or two years or three years. Like if you start to notice it and you've got to be really self-aware, then you have to make adjustments immediately. And that might make, that might mean some hard decisions. Like if you've got a couple of upperclassmen that, and, and this is what they both specifically said, if you've got some upperclassmen, if you've got some bad seeds, even if they are the most talented players on your team and they're, they're creating some of that drama by being me first guys, they're like, you have to deal with that and either, either get them in line or get them off your team. And that can be really hard because that's like right around that year four, year five is when you're starting to like maybe have some of that success on the recruiting trail and you big, bring in those bigger name kids. And then, but if those guys don't buy into your culture, then those guys should not be part of your team anymore. And I wonder quite a bit, if you look at, uh, if you look at Jim Harbaugh and you look at where this has gone, how much of that rings true is this idea that we've heard from so many players that there might've been, you know, I, I don't want to say favoritism but um that this idea that like you know the meritocracy kind of went out the window with certain guys uh for this michigan football program and the moment that happened the rest of the team kind of says look how come the rules don't apply to a b c and d but they apply to me you know and and that from everything i've been told that has happened in this michigan program and now they're in a really bad spot and now can they get that culture back I don't, I mean, I certainly don't think so on a one-year lame dunk duck contract, you can get that back. Mm -hmm. You'd have to, Jim Harbaugh would always have to say, I'm going to be here for the next five years, blow this whole thing up and start all over again. Yeah, I, I think that it's, uh, and Jim Harbaugh is one of those guys that I think that the culture does well when Michigan's winning. When, when everything's going well, then it, he looks like a, this genius. His quirkiness is, you know, kind of funny. And then his fire, his like, you know, rants on the sideline are like, yes, I, we need that, you know, type of thing. Um, but then when it goes south, it goes south quickly because his quirkiness all of a sudden turns annoying. His rants turn into him looking like a crybaby and things like that. And so it, it can go south really quickly with the way that Jim Harbaugh instills his culture. And the one big thing that I think that um, is, is a problem for him, and we talked about this with Will Heinegger a, a couple weeks ago, is he doesn't have great relationships with his players. You know, from, from the NFL agents that I talk to on the regular, he, with the top recruits, not when they're, not when they're recruits, when they're recruits, he has great relationships with them, right? And then, but then when they get on campus, um, he, he just doesn't, they don't like him because he, he doesn't know how to connect with them. He's really just an old school football coach, but in the age of, of the Dabo Sweeney and the PJ Flett guys who have great relationships and they're putting their arm around, around their guys. And they're, you know, even I, I relate it to Juwan Howard. He's the cool uncle to all those guys. You want to hear what Isaiah Livers uh, said about <laughs> Juwan Howard? He's like, he, he's like, I could text that guy about anything 
and he's like there for me. They're talking about music. They're talking about, you know, TV shows. They're talking about whatever. And it's like, that is not Jim Harbaugh. He doesn't have the connections uh, and the, the ability to do that. And so um, those relationships are what help strengthen and build a program. And so it's really, I think it's a struggle when things go south, when you don't have those relationships to fall back on, then these guys are going to not buy in. They're going to get out or want to get out pretty much immediately. I couldn't have said any better, man. So it, uh, yeah. Can you reestablish it? I don't think so. These coaches, these successful coaches didn't seem like you could. Um, man, it's so cool too. As like a side note, this, this education class I'm teaching the, the projects, these final projects, these, these students have picked and who they're tracking, uh, are, are, or interviewing is, is pretty awesome. So let's finish, uh, we'll finish with basketball in, in just a minute here as we uh, get ready for Michigan's game against Penn state on Sunday. But, um, Justin, you and I both humongous fans of Wolverine state brewing company. And I texted uh, I texted the chef and general manager, uh, Nate Fritz, just a little bit ago, and I'm like, hey, what are your specials this weekend? Wait until you hear, Justin, what they've got uh, oh, as boy. specials this weekend. You want to talk mouthwatering. I know, I know you're staying at Weber's Hotel tonight, mm-hmm. but Saturday, Sunday, I think you're going to want to get into Weber's so, – or I'm sorry, into uh, Wolverine. So, Nate, uh, welcome to the podcast today. Let's start with this lobster and ahi tacos. Tell us all about it. Uh, yeah, so uh, we have a combo plate of tacos tonight. Um, a Jamaican spiced ahi tuna taco uh, with a sweet uh, lobster taco served with a side of Asian rice and some some sort of slaw. I haven't got that far yet in the day yet. Okay. So staff, staff's okay. been bored. Staff's been bored. Uh, we've got some time. We're Business is down, so we're just kind of uh, playing with some new menu stuff, um, having fun in the kitchen. So every week, the last couple of weeks, these guys are just killing it in the kitchen with me, coming up with some cool, fun ideas. Well, I mean, one, another one of those is your ham and pimento pretzel stack. So tell me about that. Like, what, what are we talking about in terms of a stack? Are we talking like multi-layers, like pretzel yeah. bun? Like, what, what, is, what is a stack? Uh, so locally made uh, pretzel bun, our smoked ham, uh, we got on the smoker right now, our double smoked, um, double smoked apple, cherry wood bacon, pimento cheese, lettuce, tomato. Uh, that is a huge sandwich. Very, very good. A lot of people add pork onto that. Um, very sloppy. Definitely a, a fork uh, sandwich. Dude, sounds amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I've had, you do, you do your, um, uh, your sampler platter, you can get like that pimento cheese to come with it. And I mean, it's always my favorite part to the point like if I get other than nachos, when I get anything, when I get the pretzel, when I get like uh, chips or like that, like I want the pimento to come with it because it is so, uh, so damn good. Um, it's just, it's one of those things where you think about like pimento, maybe like the Southern type of style, but um, you've been able to put your own personal spin on it. Yeah, we haven't done pimento in a while, so everybody's been kind of asking for it. It's been, shoo, probably four or five months since we've done anything with pimento. So uh, trying to take some crowd favorites, get their input, what they want to have for dinner, uh, stuff they want us to kind of play with while we uh, have time and uh, slowly get ready for reopen. 
And then Korean barbecue sticky ribs. Yes, uh, that is one of uh, one of my cooks, Matt. Um, he's coming in today to mess with that. That's an idea that we did a couple weeks ago. Um, huge seller. We're never uh, we're, we never seem to be happy with what we make, no matter how much everybody likes it. So he's been messing with uh, some barbecue recipes, some new slaw recipes, uh, some different spices. So uh, yeah, that's today. Um, Again, served on a sticky rice. Um, not really sure exactly what all he was going to do with that one. Um, so that one's going to be about 2 o'clock my lunch, and I'll figure out uh, the rest of the recipe. <laughs> but, but last time, he sold like 35 orders on a Friday night, so uh, he kills it with that special. So, oh, Man, it sounds uh, so good. You also have uh, recent releases for beer, your German lager, uh, your cider ask, and your West Side wheat. Uh, in addition to a number of great uh, beers that you have on tap, you can pick up a growler or a crowler. Um, are you guys, I mean, I know outdoor indoor seating is, 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 you know, not allowed right now. You guys do have the tent. You do have heaters. Are people sitting outside? Can you have outdoor seating right now? Or is that off the table? No, pun no intended. we can have outdoor seating. So we have, uh, so we have a tent out there that uh, seats seven. Um, you know, we flip up the sides, we have nine heaters in the tin. It stays pretty warm in there. Um, I mean, definitely jacket, but you're not going to be freezing your butt off in there. It's, it's pretty comfortable. Um, and then we have seven tables outside the tent as well with heaters next to them. Um, I'm actually setting up a fire pit today. So we're going to do, uh, we'll have one propane fire pit out there and then we'll have an actual real fire pit out there, um, today and tomorrow. Test it out. Uh, supposed to be some nice weather. So figure I'd give people yeah. an extra reason to get out of the house and uh, enjoy it before the snow hits. Yeah. Well, there's no snow in the forecast for a little bit. So um, thankfully, but uh, yeah, check them out. You can visit them in person, 2019 West Stadium Boulevard in Ann Arbor. Uh, give them a call 734-369-2990. Uh, find their menu order online at wolverinebeard.com. Uh, they're open till uh, 3, 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. Tuesday through Friday, noon to 9 p.m. on Saturday, and noon to 8 p.m. on Sunday. They are closed on Monday. Um, sounds like a great menu this weekend, Nate. Uh, Justin, you're going to have to represent me because I'm here in uh, Royal Oak. But I have, a, I have a feeling, Nate, that I might be able to make it there on Monday. And, you know, I know that you tend to, like, have a little bit extra. So kind of hoping maybe I can swing myself a little deal. Uh, and uh, pick up some pick up some from some food if there's uh, if there are extras. But man, what what great sounding uh, great sounding food! I, that ham and pimento cheese stack. Oh, I tell you what, you got to send me some pictures because that thing just looks just sounds ridiculously good. I'm gonna eat good this weekend, so join me where I'll be. I'm, I'm absolutely be... check them out. I'm going to be doing a whole stadium in Maine weekend. I'm going to hit all of our sponsors. I'll be at Weber's on Friday night, and then I'll go to Wolverine on Saturday um, and everything. So it'll be, it'll be a great weekend for me. Sounds like a hell of a yeah. weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you get a run in there too, Justin, or some type of exercise. Just saying. Just I, saying. I'm going to get a run this afternoon so that I can just pig out all weekend <laughs> beer and food and, and I don't even have to worry about Michigan losing. So it's another, you know, uh, everything's looking positive here. That sounds good. Well, Nate, thanks very much for joining us and uh, good luck to you guys this weekend. Thank you guys. I'll talk to you guys soon. I'll see you tomorrow, Justin. Sounds good. Thanks, Nate. Thank you guys.
So, Justin, we're going to finish just a little bit here, five minutes on uh, on Michigan basketball. They finished their non-conference 5-0, and um, you know, depending on if you're an advanced uh, stat guy, um, and I've become that a little bit more the last couple of years. Um, I'm a huge, uh, huge fan of Ken Palm. Uh, Michigan ranks 14th nationally in Ken Palm after its non-conference. That is fourth in the Big Ten behind Wisconsin, Iowa, uh, and Duke just uh, two spots ahead of Michigan State, one spot ahead against ahead of Illinois. Which, just just for a second, I mean that's six teams uh, in the top 16 of Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. Throw Indiana in there, and you've got seven teams in the top 20. I mean, we've said this Big Ten is going to be a juggernaut, uh, and it's going to be. And I didn't get a chance to watch the game on Wednesday against uh, against Toledo. You did get a chance. You said it was their best game of the year. Um, you know, you look at like how they played against Toledo. Uh, and how they played in that second half against Central Florida. So their last three halves of basketball are their best halves, and that certainly kind of positions them strongly going into their uh, conference opener against Penn State on Sunday. Yeah, so they they shot the ball. They shot the lights out. It was unbelievable. I mean, they were shooting at one point. I It was late in the second half, and I, I don't know what the final stats were, but um, they were shooting 60% from the floor and 60% from three. Um, so pretty, pretty good stats there. And you know what? Hunter Dickinson continues to be the man for them. I know Isaiah Livers is obviously their go-to guy. Um, and Franz Wagner has played a lot better in those last three halves that you're, that you're speaking about as well. Um, but I still think Hunter Dickinson, what he's doing right now, he's averaging nearly a double-double, if not a double-double. Um, and he's only at 22 points – or, sorry, 22 minutes per game, I think. So um, now that it looks like Austin Davis may be out for a little bit, um, he twisted his ankle or, or um, Achilles or calf or something like that on, in the game versus Toledo and ended up walking away with a boot on. Um, so this may be the chance. Um, you know, I, I hate to see – somebody step in because of an injury, but it is a chance for Hunter Dickinson now to maybe start where Austin Davis has been starting. And so he could maybe take his, take things to the next level. Um, but it continues to be the versatility for Michigan. It's Isaiah Livers and Franz Wagner. They, they haven't, Isaiah has been very uh, consistent, but they haven't been the top two night in and night out. It, they've had a different leading score quite often in these uh, first five games. So um, when you look at the bench, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, to see with Austin Davis out how uh, Juwan Howard handles the four position as well with uh, Brandon Johns and Terrence Williams too. Um, so I, I just think that this going into to Big Ten play, this team is is really good. And I think that they're – I'm hoping that it's not like last year where they're playing their best basketball at the beginning of the season. Um, and I don't think it will be. I think that they'll be able to continue it throughout the season. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to see them go into Big Ten play. Like we said before, their first couple Big Ten games are against some of the lower opponents in the Big Ten. Uh, so um, I think it's a good way for them to kind of get a gauge and, and dip their toes in a little bit before they get to Maryland or some of the bigger dogs in the, in the conference. Justin, we were talking just the other day a little bit about, you know, if, if what do you do with Austin Davis? Does he keep on getting 12 to 14 minutes? Um, you know, how do you get Brandon Johns uh, more involved uh, in the in you know in the lineup if uh, if Terrence Williams is someone who deserves to play, well I mean again I I like Austin Davis a lot and I don't want to see Austin Davis miss a, a good portion of this season I, I 
I hope that, you know, we'll, we'll get an update from Juwan Howard here very shortly. Uh, I hope that what he says is, hey, he just kind of rolled an ankle a little bit. It's going to be a couple of, you know, maybe a couple of weeks. We expect to get him back uh, and not anything more serious than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at this and, and the opportunity now exists for Brandon Johns to get much more run at the five. He's only gotten 10% of his minutes this year um, have come at the five. 22% have come at the four. But Terrence Williams and Franz Wagner uh, can, play, can play the four together. And, you know, and I, I looked at this too. Can Isaiah Livers play the four? He can. Um, he has only played the four with Shonday Brown at the three on 3.8% of Michigan's minutes this year. So that's not a lot, but they do have a lot of versatility. And so what I would expect to see is a lot more of uh, Franz and Terrence uh, Williams at the four, Brandon Johns being Hunter Dickinson's backup. I would not even, I mean, this is a crazy to say, Justin, because of how well Hunter Dickinson has played. But I would not be shocked if in a starting lineup on Sunday, you see Brandon Johns at the five for this reason only that Juwan might really like Hunter Dickinson as someone who's coming off the bench as a true freshman. The fact that he hasn't moved him into the starting lineup after a week, you know, the third game, that might be part of his philosophy that he's just comfortable coming off the bench. And so don't be shocked if, if Brandon Johns gets the start um, at the five, he's an upperclassman, he's a junior, can kind of establish himself a little bit earlier in the game uh, and, and, you know, and then bring in Hunter Dickinson uh, against uh, Penn State or Nebraska. I'm going to take a little bit of a gamble. I'm going to say that's what we see happen on, on Sunday. Uh, certainly, I've been lo- wrong about a lot of things in the past, and I could be very wrong about this one. Um, but that's my fearless prediction going into the weekend. Since normally we'd be doing like football predictions today, yeah talking about the Michigan Ohio State game and that's been off the table the last two weeks we were enjoying our predictions we were enjoying our MVP picks now we don't have that so this is my first prediction it does I mean like when did we when did we actually have a game to talk about we I was that was the Penn State game that was the the Thanksgiving weekend that was November now we're on December 11th like that was a long that was 14 or 13 you know days ago I, I as we finish up here Justin let me just say this like I don't know if Michigan's going to be able to play um, a ninth Big Ten game. The Big Ten really hasn't released, and I guess they'll wait until after this weekend, what this like extra game would be for everybody. I would say this. We haven't seen any team in, uh, I don't think in college football this year, miss three straight weekends. Even Wisconsin didn't miss three straight weekends. They played by week three. If Michigan is not physically in position to play three straight games, to me, you want to talk about a loss of culture. You want to talk about a loss of having control over your team. If after week one, when they had to cancel the Maryland game, and Jim Harbaugh is telling these guys, like, we got to double our efforts. We got to, we got to you know, really, like, lock this in because, you know, we want to put ourselves in the best position possible to go to play against Ohio State. We can't have more outbreaks. And then by every indication, there were more outbreaks. Um, you know, there were, there were more people testing positive. And then he's saying, like, okay, like, we've got to lock this down. Like, we've just missed two straight games. Do you guys want to play another football game the rest of the year? The only way that's going to happen is if the guys got serious about it, went back to, like, proper protocols, not seeing anyone, not spreading this out. They did everything they're supposed to by quarantining everybody these last couple of weeks. And with no other students on campus, you have that possibility. With all the restaurants shut down, you have that possibility. So if they don't play a third straight week, because they have more positive tests again, 
to me, Justin, that is as damning as anything else because it means that Jim Harbaugh lost complete control of his team if they can't play in a third straight week. Yeah, and I think that the the whole ducking Ohio State thing is ridiculous, right? But if you're not going to play in this third straight game and, and then your season's over, to me that's a little bit like throwing in the towel. This, this is it where we're, you know – this the season sucked and we're just kind of ready to move on and so that shows to me like you said there's no fight nobody wants to go out and play football for Jim Harbaugh or for Michigan or for this team right now Um, and I don't want to say nobody I'm sure there are guys that want to play but I agree with you 100% it just kind of it it seems like they're just kind of ready to be done with this they're ready to move on we're ready for something different and hopefully that will be the case for 2021. Well, I guess we'll see. We'll come back on Sunday and uh, talk about uh, the college football weekend. Um, hopefully, uh, we gave Will Heininger the weekend off last Sunday. Um, hope that he'll be able to join us, even without a football game, to talk about. Uh, we'll talk about, get his impressions uh, about uh, Jim Harbaugh, about this, uh, about this program, about the college football weekend, if there's any big surprises. I think there's only one uh, really marquee game, and that's uh, Miami and North Carolina. Uh, this weekend a lot of boring college football honestly and, and we we discussed it a little bit is you know I mean with all these games getting canceled and and let me see how many uh, got canceled this upcoming weekend I mean you're losing out on so many opportunities for uh, for football here we go so uh, Ole Miss Texas A&M canceled Miami Bowling Green two three four five six seven eight nine ten games this weekend already canceled, including Purdue, Indiana, which is a rivalry game. Cincinnati, Tulsa uh, got canceled. I believe that Cincinnati now is just going to play in their, uh, their championship. Uh, you had uh, Washington, Oregon, uh, which was arguably the top matchup in the Pac-12. That game got canceled. I mean, it is what it is, but it's, it certainly had a major impact on my fervor uh, for college football this weekend. You do have Michigan State, Penn State. Uh, you do have uh, the Toilet Bowl, which really is not. I think that was Michigan, Penn State a couple weeks ago. Rutgers versus Maryland uh, plays this weekend. Uh, you do also have Wisconsin, Iowa, as I mentioned, North Carolina, Miami. Um, and uh, Alabama played someone halfway decent, uh, I do believe. I can't find it here. But uh, do you know who Alabama plays this weekend? Uh, never mind, Arkansas. Arkansas. That's their 31 and a half point favorite. That ain't going to be a good game either. So yeah. we'll come back on Sunday. Appreciate everybody uh, listening today. Thanks to our awesome sponsors, Wolverine State Brewing Company, Lewis Jewelers, uh, where Ann Arbor gets engaged. Um, our friends at Weber's Hotel and Restaurant, uh, Wolverine Beer. I might have already said those two. Uh, Kapnick Insurance Group and our, uh, our, our friends at Kapnick, Frankenmuth Insurance. Uh, which is a great company too. And certainly if you live in Southeast Michigan, if you live uh, throughout Michigan, uh, our friends in Frankenmuth can uh, can hook you up with your insurance needs uh, also. So Justin, thanks. You can find me, Mike Smith, ITH, Justin Rowe 92, Stadium uh, Main Pod on Twitter. Anything I missed? I think you're good. I, I'm excited for my uh, for my Stadium Main um, weekend here with Weber's, with... Uh, Wolverine, maybe with Lewis Jewelers. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, we uh, will talk about that next week, and we'll talk about everything Michigan basketball. Hopefully we'll have some Harbaugh stuff and and keep it going. So thanks for listening. Subtle, Justin. Subtle, Subtle. Subtle.
little hint there, a little hint. Hopefully anybody listening still caught that. So we'll see you guys next week. This is the Stadium and Main podcast, presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers.